0: Thanks for joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calendar. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. So good. Who's excited for conference coming up? I know I got my ticket booked. We got our place booked. We're excited for it. As Mark had said, my name is Brad, and my wife Shelby and I, we actually love conferences. Yeah! There used to be something called global conferences, and we made sure wherever they were, whether it was Hawaii, whether it was Malaysia, we were always at global conference. It was the number one thing that we put on our schedule of where we would travel to. And now when we have Canada Conference, we've been at every Canada Conference, and we believe this is a time where God can empower you for what you have next in your life. This is going to be a time where you can walk in the freedom that God has for you. And it's, it's something you don't want to miss out on. We're a month out. It's in Toronto, so that means you've got to book tickets. You've got to buy tickets. You've got to book accommodations. If you're thinking about going, I would say today, get online, find some tickets, look into a place to stay. As Mark had said There is Billet Opportunities if you wanted more information on that. Find someone on the leadership team to see who maybe you could get connected with. This is something you guys don't want to miss out on. It's something that we get to come together as churches across Canada and see what God is doing in our nation. And it's something so incredible. So as I said, my name is Brad. My wife and I are part of the C3 East Village core leadership team. And we're so excited about what God is doing in our city and the community that he is building in our church downtown And we're so excited for what God has to come in this year coming forward. But it's also an honor as Pastor Lorne and Kelly are in Penticton enjoying and enduring a little bit of raining ash as the fires are still in BC. We pray that their family is having a a joyful time to relax and just to be at the beach with family enjoy that. But it's an honor for me uh, to be able to preach here for you this morning. And I believe that God has given me a word in season for your guys' life that you can apply to your life. This has been a church that, that I've loved and I've been a part of this church for 15 years. And so to see what God is doing in our church and how as a church we have a role to, imp- to play in impacting our city, that's something so incredible to me. And as we continue this series on heaven's hope, to me I was, like, why? I was thinking about this question of why is hope important? Why do we need hope in our life? And it came to me that hope is actually a positive, a positive assurance in the midst of challenging and difficult times in our life. Who can agree with me that we're going to face challenges in our life? There's going to there's gonna be difficult circumstances that we need to overcome in our life. But hope is that positive assurance that helps us to get through it. It's actually, hope is something that gives us purpose and direction in our life. I actually believe that when we don't have hope, our life is going to perish. We're not going to have that focus on where are we going, what are we believing for in our life, but when we have hope, we can actually walk in the fullness of Christ and what he has for our life. So we're going to be talking about Colossians today. I love the book of Colossians, and I get to talk about Colossians chapter 2 and 3. And the one thing that's incredible about this book, but also about this idea of hope, is that God wants to instill hope in our life that's sustaining and lasting and i remember when i was a young boy at nine years old my family decided to go to go away to hawaii and go to a bible school it was with an organization called ywam known as youth with a mission and my parents decided that in this time There was something that God had to impart to them, so they moved our family there, and little did I know that God had something so valuable to impart into my life. I was a young boy, and I had asked Jesus into my heart, but I didn't know too much about my relationship with him and what that meant. And as a young boy, I remember being in a class, and they were talking about God speaking to us, and they were talking about the Holy Spirit, and I didn't know too much about what that meant. But it was in that time that I was in Hawaii that God began to speak to me, And as a boy, I began to dream dreams and see pictures of what God was speaking to me. And it was in that time that God established a hope inside of me that we serve a creator who wants to be in relationship with humanity, that he actually wants to grow daily with us and communicate to us. And it's that hope that I got as a young boy that I've been able to carry on through the difficult circumstances that I've faced in life, the things, the challenges that I've had to go through, that hope that we are in a relationship with God who loves us and who has a great future for us. And so as we kind of recap what we've we've covered so far in the, in the first chapter of Colossians, Pastor Lauren over the past few weeks, has been unpacking Colossians chapter one. And in the first chapter, uh, Sermon that he did on it, he spoke about the power of our spoken word, that we actually have the ability to speak life or death over the circumstances in our life. He actually said we can choose to be prisoners of fear in our life or we can choose to be prisoners of hope. We actually get to choose what we're caught up in, what the focus of our life is. And I believe that we're going to choose to be prisoners of hope and hope in Jesus Christ. The second thing last week he talked about is our life being a product of what we plant and cultivate. Actually, the seeds that we sow in our life, the things that we allow to be input into our life, is going to be the fruit that we bear out from our life. That's going to be the character and the things that people see within our life. We get to choose what goes into our life and the people that we want to become. And so today, today, sorry, I'm so used to speaking at East Village and the night service. Today, what we're going to be talking about is that all we need is found in Christ and in the fullness of Christ. This book is a book about reminding us of the supremacy of Christ and who Christ is. And so we're going to be reading from Colossians chapter 2. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles with me, we're going to have it up on the Sky Bible as well. But just before we get into that, I want to give you a little bit of background information of what's happening here. So Paul is currently in prison and he's writing this letter. He's writing this letter to a church that he doesn't know many people from. Because this wasn't a church that Paul actually planted. This was a church that Epaphras, one of the co-workers of Christ, had planted. And Epaphras comes to visit Paul while he's imprisoned. And he's he's telling him about what the struggles of the church of Colossae is going through. And he's revealing to them the, the spiritual climate and environment that they're living in. And it's from this place that Paul says, I need to write a letter to encourage them to stand true in the faith of who Jesus Christ is and what the true gospel message is. So we're gonna start reading in Colossians chapter 2, verse one. It says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith is in Christ. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. My first point this morning, church, is that we need to be, we need to remain rooted in Christ. When we remain rooted in Christ, we actually identify the fullness of Christ that we have access to. And we're able to be aware of the counterfeit in the world around us. But in order to understand that counterfeit, we need to know who Jesus is. We need to be in a relationship with Jesus so that we know what that truth looks like. And Paul is writing this letter to a church that's in a diverse spiritual environment. And the problem that they were dealing with is that they saw their salvation as Jesus plus something else was that what actually equaled salvation. Jesus plus belief in another God is what salvation was. Jesus plus another God who's gonna be my provider. Jesus plus another a God of love who's gonna provide for my needs and to start a family, all those things. It was Jesus plus something else. And and Paul is writing to say it's actually Jesus alone. You don't need anything else added to Jesus in order for salvation. It's in Jesus alone that we are saved. Let's continue reading in verse 8. It says, "...see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ." For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. See, church, Paul wanted the Colossians to see that the supremacy of Christ was all that mattered. Because in Christ, the reconciliation between God and humanity was made complete. Therefore, the hope we need is found in Christ and found in Christ alone. I don't know what... Your experience with our world is but we live in a society today where people are hungry and searching for things in the spiritual world. I actually think the new age movement is something that would be similar to this environment that they would have been in in many of the churches in the Greek world at this time or the Roman world that they were struggling with understanding what does this spiritual experience mean? Many of them thought that actually they had to pay for some form of access to the spiritual world. Many of them thought it was a step-by-step process of how they could grow in their wisdom and knowledge of the spiritual world around them. And the dimensions that they didn't understand that many of us still can't comprehend today. But Paul is trying to address these false teachings to say that it's not about those other things. That actually all that we need to know and all that we need to our life is found In Christ alone. That Christ is the God that's above all other gods. That you don't need any other God in your life. It's not Christ plus anything else. And so for us to understand this, we need to understand what the church was dealing with within this setting. And so as we talked about this idea of mystic polytheism, of many gods that they were uh, experiencing, and these many spiritual encounters that they were trying to figure out their own spiritual journey... Paul was saying that 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 was a counterfeit. But also there there was Jews within the church and Judaism was still something that was relevant in the Roman world. And at this time the Jews were saying that you actually needed to still maintain a very, very, very strict observance to the Jewish law. And this meant that you had to fulfill everything that was in, within the kosher diet. You had to observe all the sacred days exactly as they had told you to follow them. And the hot button issue of physical circumcision had to be done. You had to do it. But Paul's addressing that actually to give into any of these things was giving into temptations that were actually a counterfeit and was a compromise to what Jesus was calling them to live into. It was never a part of the gospel message that Jesus came to share. And here Paul is addressing this to the church of Colossae. A timeless truth that I believe we can pull out of this, which means it was true for the people in that time period, and it's also a truth and a principle in scripture that's true for us today, is that Christ is the hope of glory because in and through him comes the fullness of every aspect of life. Paul reminds them that the spiritual enlightenment they are looking for is completely found in Christ. And that whatever spiritual powers that are in the world around them that they don't understand or that they were fearful of, that Christ has triumphed over all of those at the cross. We're going to continue reading in Colossians, verse 8. And we're going to continue through 19. It says, In Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. So Paul's actually making a distinction here between physical circumcision and, and spiritual circumcision. He's actually reminding them that circumcision actually means to be set apart. And so in the physical format, it was was still a sign to be physically set apart from the people groups that were around them. But now he's saying it's something different. The spiritual circumcision is that you're going to be set apart in the way that you live your life, in the way that you're seen. It's going to be different than the people around you. And I believe this is true for us today, that when we go and live our lives out in the world, in our workplace or at school, with our family and with our friends, That there should be something that people see that is different about us. And that's who Christ is within us. He's speaking of a spiritual circumcision here. Continue, he says, Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins, And in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. How good is this, church? I'm so excited that we have baptisms At the end of this month, we get to join together as campuses to celebrate this actually step, an act of our faith, to leave the old self behind and to walk into the new self of the community of believers that God's calling us into, and to make a stand for that, and to make a public declaration of who Jesus Christ is in our life. So for those of you who are getting baptized, this is going to be an incredible weekend, or if you're still thinking about getting baptized, I'd encourage you to talk to one of the leadership team here at the church, and And make that stand to say, Jesus, I'm living for you. And I'm making that stand in a community of believers that I'm growing with. In Colossians 2, 20 to 23, he goes on to kind of conclude this chapter. And he says, since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to the rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. He's actually saying that these rules all have to do with things that are going to perish. They're all human things. They're based on human commands and teachings that have been put in place. But he's trying to shift their focus here from the heavenly things of God to the earthly things that we can get caught up in the world. And sometimes we try to add too much to our faith of all these restrictions and rules and obligations of things that we have to do that actually sometimes can create a distance between us and God because we're so focused on the rules and the practices of what we think we have to do that we lose sight of being in actually an authentic relationship with Jesus. And these are the very things that Paul is addressing. He's saying don't submit to the regulations and tenets of the false teaching. Whatever we fear or may be facing in this world, I want to remind us that God has conquered them and he has triumphed over them on the cross. Jesus fulfilled all the laws in his death and resurrection. And through access to Jesus, we can walk in freedom in that. Jesus is thus all that we need. The incredible thing about Paul is I love that his theology allows us to get an understanding of the gospel message, but in all of Paul's letters, he doesn't just leave us with the teaching of what this means. Paul always starts with the theology at the start of his letter, but then he ends with practical application of how do we live this out in our life? What does this mean for our life to actually walk out in the fullness of Christ? And that's what we get to see starting in chapter 3. In verse 1 it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So incredible. Following Jesus means following his new humanity. Because their lives have now been joined with the risen Jesus and so of ours today. He's speaking to a church that needed a reminder not to compromise their faith. Not to get so caught up in the spiritual environment and the earthly things that were around them. But to remain focused on God and the spiritual things that he had for their life. He's actually speaking of a challenge here to walk out in the new self. To actually leave something behind that's natural for us in the human nature. My second point today is to live in the present as the kind of human we will one day become. The time to live, in as, a, to live as an authentic Christian is today, church. If, if you want a legacy to be left behind of how people are going to remember you, it's today that you need to start applying the discipline of how that's going to look. The character in your life you want to be known for starts with the discipline of applying Christ's truth to your life today. We got to do something about it. I had shared a story earlier of when my family had gone away and we had gone to to Hawaii and we had done this Bible school and it was at that time that God put a seed in my heart that I wanted to return when I graduated from high school and I wanted to go on a journey myself of figuring out who Christ was for me and in this time he helped me to discover who my identity in Christ was. It was in this time that actually I shifted my focus from Jesus not only being the savior of my life, but Jesus being the Lord of my life. That I actually realized there were some things in my life, there were some things in my journey that I had to let go of. If I was gonna make Christ Lord of my life, the ruler of my life, who I would actually submit under his authority and follow the things he was telling me to do, that there were some things I needed to let go of in my life. And I think for some of us today, God's calling us into a similar thing. That we need to let go of some of the things in our life that we've been holding on to, and we need to allow Christ to bring freedom and wholeness into those areas of our life. In Colossians verses five to eight of chapter three, he actually addresses some of the issues that we we deal with in the flesh, and he says, "No longer to walk in the ways of sexual immorality, of impurity, of lust, evil desires, and greed." In fact, he's talking about any form of idolatry. And church idolatry is actually anything that replaces our attention and the value of God in our life. It can be that very thing that we go to bed thinking about and we wake up in the morning thinking about, the very thing that consumes the most time and attention in our life. It can even be social media. I know, it's crazy to think about, but the very things that we're always thinking about and need to be finding out what's happened, my caution to us, is that replacing our time with God? Is that replacing our attention and focus that we give to God? Because any of those things can become an idol in our life, and when they actually replace the relationship we have with Jesus, we're compromising our faith, and we're not living in the fullness of what Christ has called us into. And I want to encourage us today, church, that we have the ability to do that. That that hope that Christ has promised for us, that assurance in the midst of difficult and challenging circumstances is the very thing we need to be the fulfillment that we're looking for and to be the sustenance to carry us through these times. Let's continue reading in verse 8 to 11. He addresses this a bit further. It says, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. And he speaks about the emotional things that we deal with. He says, Paul's charge to the people is actually to remove the vices of the world that actually hold us captive and don't allow us to live freely and actually embody the very virtues that Christ has given us access to to live and walk out in freedom for our life. In this verse, he's also addressing at the end that it doesn't matter who the person is. He's, he's speaking to the issue of Gentile and Jew, of the different ways that they would view what the Christian faith should look like, the different people that were in their city. He's saying it doesn't matter what ethnicity is. It doesn't matter what your social economic status is, whether you're a slave or you're free. Before Christ, we're all equal. We're all equal before Christ, and we all have the same access to the promises that God has for our life. My third point today, church, is that we actually need to walk in the fullness of Christ. And in order to walk in the fullness of Christ, we need to know, what does that mean? And Paul shares with us what that looks like. The word fullness here, he's actually using the word is pleroma in Greek, or pleroma. I'm not sure exactly how to say it, but what it's speaking to is the ultimate revelation or the highest level of spirituality, Paul's using this word intentionally because he realizes the spiritual environment they're in and the people around them, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for this highest level of spiritual enlightenment and they're looking to all kinds of ways to do it, whether you have to purchase it, whether you have to go through a step-by-step process to attain it, whether you have to gain enough knowledge and wisdom and understanding to get your own revelation on it. He's saying that's not it. To actually have the fullness of the spiritual enlightenment and revelation you're looking for, it's found in Christ. As soon as you... Ask Jesus into your life. You have full access to it. Church, I'm reminding us today that it's our choice whether we step into that access. Jesus has given us access into the throne room of heaven. Jesus sits at the right hand of God and he's saying, the spiritual things that are above, I have given you access to them. I've given you access to relationship with me to walk those things out that we actually have a role to play in empowering people in our world to to walk out of the struggles and the circumstances they're living in and to walk into their best life let's continue reading as he wraps up kind of the end part of chapter three says therefore as god's chosen people holy and dearly loved clothe yourselves with compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience bear with each other and forgive one another in any if any of you has a grievance against someone giving thanks to God the Father through him. I'm just going to ask the keys to come back on stage. Church, living for Christ means walking in the virtues of Christ. There's a list here of, of different virtues. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love. Many of that they sound like good words, but what does it actually mean for us to live and walk those out? Can I say that when it, it talks about forgiveness, we should be the first ones to forgive. We're always going to be offended in life. But as Christian people, can we actually be the person that takes that first step for forgiveness so that we can be a part of restoring relationships, be part of restoring things that are broken? I also want to remind us that if we're going to embody these virtues and live them out, that we actually need to spend intentional time with Jesus in our life. It's not about just hearing them and thinking miraculously something's just gonna happen and that's gonna be a part of our life. As Pastor Lauren had talked about last week, the things that we sow into our life, the things that we plant and cultivate is actually what we produce in our life. We actually need the time to intentionally spend with God through the week. I don't know if for you that's just putting on some worship music and allowing God to speak to you. To allow the distractions of this world The fears, the anxieties, the things that we journey through and walk through in our life to pass and allow God to speak truth and encouragement into our life. Or maybe it's in prayer to allow yourself to sit down. And yes, it's good to to pray and let God know the things that are in your heart, but it's also good to sit there and allow God to speak to us. Allow him to speak into your future. Allow him to encourage you in your present of what you're journeying through. And most of all, I think if if we're to know the truths and the principles of God, we need to get into his scripture. We actually need to read what he's talking about so that we can apply those things to our life. It's these intentional moments with Christ that we learn how to walk this out. He talks about love and that love binds them all together in perfect unity. All these virtues of Christ. It says, love is the key to living out the new life in the spirit because it is what brings perfect unity and harmony in the body of Christ. That's Paul's heart for this church in Colossae. That would be Paul's heart for our church today and that's Christ's belief that he wants us to represent the love that he has, the unity and the harmony of the global church, of the church across our nation and across the world, of representing and modeling Christ in an authentic manner. Living a life of love reminds us to live for others rather than just for ourselves. When we actually think about the concept of love, it's a choice of what we we walk into. It's usually the actually most incredible forms of love is a choice that we step into and the emotions and the feelings aren't actually behind it. How are we loving the people in our world and sharing the great news about who Jesus is with them? I believe that we have been loved by God so that we can actually show love to others. But we need to be in that relationship with God so we can experience his love and that his love is what we can actually show to other people. In John 3, 16, it says that Jesus so loved that he gave. He gave his only son, Jesus Christ, so that we would have access to him and that we could have the opportunity to be in relationship with him. It was God's plan and purpose to redeem humanity and that relationship that he had since the garden. In the very beginning, God had always wanted to be in relationship with humanity. And even though we have sinned, that God is in a reckless pursuit to be in relationship with us and to share his love with us so that we not only keep that love, but we can share it with others. The other virtue I wanna talk about is peace. And it says, let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. And Pastor Sam from See Through Toronto was here in January and he would actually spoken to us about something of, of peace. I think too many times we think about peace and we think peace is something where I, I empty everything out and I, I relax and I forget about the stresses and things I'm doing. Maybe I, I turn on the TV and I can be at peace because I'm just not needing to think about the worries of life. But I think that's actually a false understanding of what peace is. Because there's nothing sustaining in that when we just essentially forget about or take our mind off the things that we're actually facing and experiencing in our life. Pastor Sam said, peace doesn't come by emptying ourselves, it actually comes by filling ourselves with Christ. We actually need to fill ourselves with something. We need to get in the presence of God to experience this peace because peace only comes when we're filled with the Prince of Peace. And when we have these moments in our life where we can allow God to fill us, we actually have something that's sustaining we actually have something within us that when we face those challenges, when we go through things in life, we realize we don't have to do it alone. That we haven't emptied ourselves, that we go into situations with nothing in order to handle it, but we've actually filled ourselves with something that will sustain us through any trial or tribulation that we face in our life. And because we have the hope in Jesus Christ, we have the ability to walk that out. That's my challenge to us Today, church, is that we can actually realize how to apply this. We can realize how to be still and know that He is God. I believe this scripture is not actually talking about just being still and being silent, but actually filling ourselves with the truths of who God is in our life. And as those truths are established in our life, we have those things to carry with us in our life. He is our provider, He is our Savior. He is the Lord over our life. He fights for us. This is the Jesus that we serve. We have full access to everything we need in Christ. One thing that's really cool about this book is actually its connection to the book of Ephesians. And it's believed, many scholars think that the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians were both written by Paul at the same time. And even though they were sent to different churches in different parts of the region, They had a similar message, and it's actually said that 78 of the verses are almost identical. And I don't mean in that the verses say the exact same thing, but the substance to which they are talking about is the same. And the book of Colossians that we've been looking about talks about the supremacy of Christ and who Christ is in relation to the church. But in the book of Ephesians, we actually see who the church is in in relationship to Christ. It actually gives us... The strategies and the ways that us as the body of Christ work together and come together under Christ to walk out the calling of Christ on our life and the calling of the global church for what God wants to do in our world. It's so cool that even though they wouldn't have known this at the time, that because these letters were preserved, we not only have access to understanding who Christ is and the supremacy of Christ of how Paul does such an incredible doing it, a job of unpacking that in Colossians, but we also have such a practical book in Ephesians of how we can put on armor of Christ, how we can live out what it looks like to be a member of the body. Whatever part of the body of Christ you are, you are valuable. You are cherished in God's sight, and you have a, you have a, a role to play. You have a part to play in the bigger picture of what God is doing. We are empowered by being in relationship with Christ. If there's anything we get out of this message this morning, I hope that we get that, that we are empowered people, that we do carry the hope of Christ within us. The, this relationship with Christ equips us with the hope we need to live our best life, and I do believe when we live our best life that we can also positively influence those in our life to actually be able to walk out in this too. For when we walk in the fullness of Christ, Jesus is authentically modeled to others. As we were part of the the C3 East Village plant, one thing that God really put on my heart was how do we authentically model Christ? How do we in a real way when people are coming through those doors, the people of our city, the people that are hurting, the people that are crying out for something but may not even know what that looks like yet. And he just spoke to me that it's, it's an authentic representation of who I am that people are attracted to. Church, we get the opportunity to walk that out in our life. To restate my points, I first talked about us needing to remain rooted in Christ so that we know what that foundation is. We know who Jesus is in our life. We need to live today as the people we want to be remembered as. We can't wait to say, one day I'm going to do these things, and one day this is the person I want to be remembered for. Start today with being that person. And then we need to put on the virtues of God. My third point was we need to walk out in the fullness of Christ. And that's by actually embodying these, these things of Christ. And we can only do that by those moments we have where we are in relationship with God through our week. I'm just going to ask us to all stand as we come to a close here. I pray that this morning you guys are encouraged, that you realize that the hope of Christ is within you, that Colossians has shown us that the fullness of Christ is there at salvation.